Hello, and welcome back to the Baseball Trade Values Podcast. My name is Joshua Iverson, and I am the associate editor of BaseballTradeValues.com, joined, as always, by founder and owner John Bitzer. John, how are you doing today, and how are your eyes doing after a weekend of staring at your computer screen? I know. We've been making a lot of updates, haven't we? So it uh, it does tend to drive you a little bit nuts. I'm doing okay. I've been trying to take it easy, you know, not do too much too soon. So I'm cool. Great, great. Glad to hear that. Um, so like John said, we've been hard at work here. Um, we've successfully updated every player in the system with their 2020 uh, information in preparation for the trade deadline. So that's going to be the main topic of this episode. We'll get to that a little later. Um, we'll also be talking about some of the various news, some minor transactions, the one major trade that we've had so far, and then, as always, a trade of the week. But first, I think I want to kind of kick things off with a little game. So one of the trends I noticed just kind of looking through all of the news of the last couple of weeks is that there's a lot of these teams that are kind of on the fence about buy or sell. You kind of see that with the expanded playoffs and with such a small sample size of games to go off of where, yeah, maybe I shouldn't sell. If I have a hot week, I'm right back in it, or maybe I should. I'm, it's just too late for me. So there's a lot of uncertainty in that kind of middle area. So right now, I have pulled up the baseball reference playoff odds. And so I'm, John, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you the name of a team. And you're going to tell me if their playoff odds, as of as of today, Wednesday, not counting any of Wednesday's games, if their playoff odds are higher or lower than the San Francisco Giants. <laughs> and after you respond, I'll tell you whether you're correct. I'll tell you what their playoff odds are. And I'll ask you if you think... They'll be buying, selling, or neither. So Okay, and you just happen to, happen to have chosen baseball reference. I could look at fan graphs. I could look at 538. We're going to go with that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Simplest. <laughs> it's all just in one place here. Yeah, all right. Not trying to not trying to get too complicated here. All right. All right, so, so like I said, we're comparing these to the San Francisco Giants, and this is just the odds of making the playoffs, not of winning division, wild card, whatever. Um, so we're going to start out, start out uh, the easier ones. So Boston Red Sox. Obviously lower. All right, you're correct. The Boston Red Sox have a 4.7% chance of making the postseason <laughs> as of today. Uh, do you think they're buying or selling? Yeah, they're clearly selling. They already started selling. <laughs> yes, indeed. Okay, uh, next up, let's go with the Cincinnati Reds. Ooh, tough one. They've been on a losing streak. So th- I'm, I'm sensing a trick question here. Um, now, my first instinct is higher. My trick question instinct says maybe it's lower because uh, I know the Giants have gotten hot. All right, I'll go with lower. You are correct by a significant <laughs> margin. Now, I'm still not going to tell you where the Giants are because I think that makes things a little, a little too easy. Uh, but the Cincinnati Reds are at 11% Yikes. as of today. Oh, no. So buying or selling? Uh, well, yeah, that's a tough one for them, right? Because they, they went all in. They invested a lot before the season. And, um, you know, and it's Bowers last season with them under control. And, you know, they've got some other big ticket uh, players. Castellanos has a, has a, has an opt-out, opt-out at, at yeah. some point. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it, they got to, you know, but at 11%, boy, they got to think twice, you know. Yeah. Do they flip Bauer, Bauer now while they still can? It's, they're really... They're really on the fence. Um, if I were them, I would sell because yeah. at 11%, I mean, I'm at the, at the end of the day, I'm a rationalist, right? So if, if my odds are that low, I'm selling. 
it's like mm-hmm. you know playing blackjack you know you're not going to hit <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> you know but but i'm not them so i don't know what they're going to say but that, if that's if that's me i'm selling yeah, and, and I love the Reds. I loved the moves they made this offseason and last year. Super aggressive. I had them as the best team in that division, but it just hasn't worked out. And that, that can happen in a 30-game sample. It can happen in a 162-game sample. So right. uh, their time's probably run out. The logical move is probably to trade Bauer because they would just own the starting pitching market that way. That's, That's right. They could get a whole lot for him. Uh, there's really <laughs> He's in a league of his own when it comes to the <laughs> pitchers available. Rentals All right, anyway. so that one, yeah. mm-hmm. you got that one right. You're two for two. Next, we're going to head to the Washington Nationals. Um, they've been struggling a little bit. I'm going to say lower on them as well. Uh, there's your first one. You're right. Ah! They are higher <laughs> at 52.6%. And that yeah. is, you're correct, they're struggling. They're 11 and 16 right now. Um but a lot of that is just the weird playoff format this year where you don't necessarily have to be one of the top eight That's teams. Right. You just mm-hmm. have to be one of the top two in your division. Mm-hmm. Um, so buyer or seller? You know, here again, um, it, well, you know, that's a tough one for them. When I look at their roster, I see a lot of holes. Strasburg just went down. Yeah. He's had surgery that out for the year. So, they lost one of their aces. Their bullpen's been struggling. Doolittle's been out, you know, and, you know, Hudson has not been as good this year as he was in the past. So, you know, they've got some holes. The offense is a little sputtery. Um, I I don't see enough there. But um, if I'm them, I just won the World Series, and I'm riding that horse. So I'm going to I'm gonna be a buyer. I mean, they don't have much of a farm. They don't have much to, 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 to buy with. Um, but they might as well just, you know, deplete what they can while they can, while they still yeah. have Scherzer at least, you know, and okay, maybe they get hot again. Yeah. I'm feeling more stand pat. There just isn't a whole lot there to sell. Cause like you mentioned, they got, uh, they got some expensive relievers who aren't necessarily performing very well. They've got obvious superstars that aren't going anywhere with Soto and, um, and Robles and some, and Trey Turner, Mm-hmm. Um, and the pieces that they could sell, like an Estrubal Cabrera, a Jan Gomes, like that's not getting you a whole lot. No, no. So I mean, they're, they're big pieces. They'd have to sell Carter Kibu. Yeah. Um, and his stock has been dropping a little bit, actually. And they just mm-hmm. optioned him down again today because he just hasn't quite established himself at the major league level. So, But he's still, nonetheless, he's been like a top 20 prospect, consensus top 20 yeah. prospect for a while now. So he's still got a lot of value. And so they would, but he's like their only top prospect. And then, yeah. you know, that would do it. So I'm I'm thinking, if anything, they stand pat, maybe try to make some fringe deals out of bullpen piece there, a depth starter there, and see what happens. They're at 50, they're at above 50%. So uh, the odds would say they hold hold course and things might work out well for them. Yeah. Uh, so let's stay in that division, actually, with a team that's been surprising on the other end with the Miami Marlins. I'm going to say lower. You are correct. Uh, I suppose that one was a little broadcasted by the Nationals being above 50%. We already know the Braves are uh, the clear favorites for that division right now. Uh, The Marlins are at 43.3, though. And that's shocking in its own way. that They're they're 14 and 11, despite what people saw as the worst roster in that division before the year, and despite everything that happened to them with their COVID outbreak. Yeah. Uh, they yeah they had to scramble just to fill the roster and yeah 
you know, it's baseball, right? Weird things happen. You know, you can get hot for a week or two. Um, it's obviously, you know, they, look, they got a lot of kids and they're right to be playing the kids. Um, and, you know, let's, they should see what they have. It's a good year for that. But I, I don't think anyone would be surprised if they were sellers or at least of the veterans. So they were certainly of the rentals, you know, um, so. You know, I could see them getting rid of Corey Dickerson. He's not going to be there for their next big window. This is not a championship mm-hmm. team, let's face it. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, maybe they squeak in, but it's probably not going to go much farther than that. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think they're in a kind of buy-sell sort of spot, maybe, where, yeah, they ship off a guy like Dickerson, maybe a Jesus Aguilar if he's back and provides and shows that he can yeah. hit a little bit and some team wants him on their bench. Uh, but they, maybe they add her along the fringes again, just like pull a fifth starter from somewhere or whatever and just kind of give themselves a chance here because why not and it probably wouldn't cost them too much to add a back end arm or a yeah. sixth or seventh best reliever or something like that just to upgrade on some of the <laughs> the literal no names they've been thrown out there every day and somehow getting away with um yep so from them let's head back to the american league let's go to the toronto blue jays i'm gonna say higher Correct. They are at 63.8% mm-hmm. and a 14 and 14 record. So are they buyers or sellers? Uh, well, they've been publicly saying they're going to be buyers. They need starting pitching, but who, who doesn't? Um, you know, but, um, but they really do. Um, they're scrambling to put any kind of rotation together. Um, so, and, you know, they're, you know, they've got a young core that's hot, you know, Bichette and Biggio and, Vlad's been a little disappointing, but um, he can still, you know, there's still a lot there. So, I mean, they've got a core. It's probably too soon for them to be like a championship team. Similar story here. Um, but they're, they're, you can feel them starting to turn the corner like, yeah, maybe there's something there. So I wouldn't be buyers if I were them, but it, at those odds, they probably will be. Yeah. And honestly, I'm a little surprised they aren't higher. Um, just because, again, the format this year, they're obviously, we don't think the Blue Jays are in the same category as the Rays or the Yankees above them. So those two teams are probably going to take those first two division spots. Um, but then in the AL West, it's, it's a two-horse race between the A's and the Astros. Mm-hmm. In the Central, you got the Twins and the Indians and the White Sox are on fire right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but really nothing else there. So the White Sox take one wild card spot, the Blue Jays take the other one. That seems like the most yeah. likely outcome. I could um, see it. For about a week, the Tigers fans, um, who I'm friends with, were very <laughs> excited. But now they face yes. they're they're back to reality now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a team that isn't necessarily all the way back to reality right now: the Baltimore Orioles. Higher or lower than the Giants? I would say lower. That is correct. They are 14 and 15, and they have a 24.2% playoff chance. So. Uh, they had a fun little run there for a while. Of, they were actually pretty solidly over 500 for a bit, uh, but it's pretty safe to say they're selling. Yeah, and you know I have to compliment um, you know their front office because they've been picking up kind of stragglers over the last couple of years, and they're really hitting well. You know yeah, Santander and mm-hmm. Ruiz and <clears throat> Renato Nunez is starting to hit more and more. So like they've got some offense there, you know, that they picked up off the scrap heap. And um, so that's, you know, similar to the way the Giants were doing that. And they picked, you know, with the Giants picked up a, f- a few guys like that. It's a way to kind of, you know, while you're rebuilding, have a little fun with some scrap heap guys that actually turn out to be not yeah. bad. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, so I got two more teams here. Don't want to drag this on too long here. Let's go with the Milwaukee Brewers. I'm going to say lower with a, yeah, a sense of doubt. <laughs> yes, they're one of the closest teams to the Giants. They are just barely lower. You are correct. Uh, they, are yeah. 40, they are at 46.7%. Yeah, they've been a little bit uh, disappointing this year, to be honest. Um, they're not quite 500. And... Yeah, and rumors are starting to percolate that they may be shopping Josh Hader again. So we'll see. Yeah, they they were. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a lot later about some of the trends that we saw when we were uh, adjusting the value. Sort of a micro trend that I saw that I couldn't tell if it was an actual thing or just kind of confirmation selection bias, something like that. Was a lot of the. Uh, kind of one-year gamble free agents signed this last offseason. This just veterans on one-year deals, maybe two-year deals, club option, whatever. A lot of them have sucked this year. <laughs> and it seems like, like half of them <laughs> yeah. are on the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> oh, yes. Poor Eric Sogard, right? Yeah. You Eric knew, Sogard, knew that day Brock was coming. Holt, Justin Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So they... I think the Brewers still got something in them. There's, you, you never want to count out a team that's got Christian Yelich and Josh Hader and Brandon Woodruff on it. Yeah. Um, but there's, they just had a lot of guys that haven't clicked and they're kind of running out of time for it. Yeah, and to be honest, you know, most of those guys are on the downside of their career. So it's, and on the one hand, it's not surprising that you know, Eric Sogard's bad again. Yeah, no one's gonna, <laughs> no one's gonna debate that, you know. <laughs> but he's the face of MLB. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one here, division rival, Colorado Rockies. Higher or lower than the Giants? Tough one. I'm going to say uh, higher. Wrong. They are ah. lower. They are at 32.4% with their 15-15 and 15 record. And they, they've been in a terrible place as of late. They've, <laughs> they started out the season one of the hottest teams. I think they were 13-2, and 13-3, and three, something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just all falling apart. So they've been 2-13 and 13 since then, I guess. Something like that. I'm correct. pulling these numbers kind of out of nowhere. but <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> yeah, you, you should try not to do that in a 60-game season. You probably shouldn't have, uh, <laughs> have stretches like that. So do you think... We, I think we both agree they should sell. We've discussed this no. multiple times. Do you think they do? No, no. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> uh, yeah, because you can't ever figure them out. I don't know why yeah. they don't sell. I mean, it's it's the GM, it's the owner. I don't know both, but they <laughs> they can't seem to make a decision or have a clear strategy. It seems every year they're just sort of wallowing in this weird gray area. I I can't I can't I can't see them doing it. Yeah, I will say that this year, maybe it's, uh, with everything going on, maybe it's not the easiest year for them to sell. Um, maybe they can't get the same kind of return for Trevor Story that they would like. Maybe, obviously the financials make everything very complicated for Nolan Arenado and whether yeah. he's actually going to opt out of his deal or not. Um, I guess you could say they should eat down Charlie Blackman's contract now that he's been so so hot right now and some team yeah. will, a lot, a lot of teams would certainly be interested there. Uh, but we've the Rockies have a weird thing with money <laughs> where they'll spend it and then that'll be it. Like they, they spend the money on Arenado and then they said, OK, we're done with this for now. Yeah, but they also spend it on Ian Desmond. And yeah, it would it would be a lot easier know. for them if they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, right. 
So, yeah. And all those relievers, it flamed out. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. So, so last question. What do you think the San Francisco Giants playoff odds are? 35-ish to 40, somewhere in that area. 50.1%. On baseball <laughs> reference. Okay, fine. Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. 50.3. I read that wrong. Okay. I was looking at the wrong, uh, wrong column. So yeah, that's something in itself. 15 and 16, they're doing it again. They did this last year, and it, it, they had a real hot streak right before the deadline, and they said, nope, we'll, we'll make some small deals here, but we're hanging on to Mad Bum. And it didn't quite work out for them. But this year, expanded playoffs, maybe it does. Yeah, I mean, they did get some draft pick, draft pick compensation from uh, him, and I think it was Will Smith. Um you know, and they extend the QO and it's declined, so they get the draft pick. Um, I don't think that's in the cards this year. Like, Kevin Gosman's not getting a QO, right? Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, you know, I, you know, Farhan Zaidi's obviously a sharp guy, so, and he's focused on the longer term and the rebuild. You know, but again, like I was saying earlier about the Orioles, he's he's done a good job of kind of feathering the nest while doing that with Yastrzemski mm-hmm. and Solano and a couple other guys. So, you know, and so that's making it a little bit of a harder decision, right? Um, and, uh, you know, they've got a fan base that's, you know, very loyal. So, like, But then again, no one's coming to the game. So, like, maybe it doesn't matter this year. Yeah. So, you can, you know, and no one's going to lose any sleep if they trade Gosman. So I think they should. I think they should I, sell, sell strategically. I, I wouldn't blink twice if the Giants just went on some stupid run and <laughs> swept their way through the playoffs or something and took down the Dodgers and won the World Series because that's what the Giants do. They take a team that doesn't <laughs> look like it's any good and they just shove it down your throat and then they have a ring and they can say, oh, four and six years or whatever. Oh, even yeah. year. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm already, I, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare. I can see it happening. Let's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's cross our fingers. Had to get Sorry, that off your chest, fans. huh? I'm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a little scarred in the past. <laughs> All right. So there's that game. That was kind of fun. Um, yep. It's just kind of, kind of a way to represent that this trade deadline's kind of a question mark. There's a lot of teams that you would expect to be sellers that are in playoff contention very firmly and a lot of teams that you that are kind of afraid to sell that wouldn't that didn't plan on selling coming into the year certainly. I didn't even touch on the Phillies and the Mets there in the 4th and 5th spot in their division. Uh, same with the D-backs, they're in 5th in the West. A lot of teams are in uncertain positions from where they expect it to be coming into the year. And so that makes it for a very complicated trade deadline. It does. Um, You know, there are some clear sellers still, obviously the pirates and it's been reported that there's, you know, they're available. Anybody's available off that roster. Yeah. Red Sox have have clearly started selling. Um, You know, I think the, you know, tigers will sell their, their veteran rentals like a scope or a row mine. Um, You know, the, um, but what's interesting to me is, teams that thought they'd be contenders like the angels and are really struggling. Like, yeah. do you, do you want to take a quick guess at their playoff odds? while I have the page up. It's probably under 10. Uh, you're getting there. You're getting there. You can go a little lower than that. Five. <laughs> you're getting there. You can go a little lower than that. They're Three. at 1.2%. <laughs> 1.2. <laughs> yes. Tied with yeah. the Rangers behind the Tigers, behind the Red Sox, only yeah. ahead of the Pirates. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, and sadly for Billy Epler, um, I think this is his last year. You know, it's not gone well with him in the GM role, and yeah. I've got a funny feeling he's going to be out. So, if if that's the case, then you know, I don't know. Does he sell just for the heck of it, or you mm-hmm. know, I don't know. <laughs> it's gonna. I don't know what they're gonna do. <clears throat> Essentially, 2020 is over for him. Yeah. And it's. It would be it would be silly to hold on to an Andrelton Simmons or a Tommy Lastella unless you're planning on extending them beyond this year. Yeah. Um, Dylan Bundy is a bit more of an edge case because there's they they're a team that's just been pitching starved for the better part of the last decade. Right. And he's under control for next year, so maybe they don't want to give up on a pitcher once they finally found one that can get some outs for him. Right. But those those pending free agents, Lastella, um, Simmons. The, They've got to go. They they do. Um, unfortunately, they don't have much to sell. There's no nobody to sell in the bullpen. Yeah. Ty Buttry would 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 draw some interest, um, but <laughs> he's got a ton of control, so they're probably not going to sell him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's, there's just not much else. You name the guys that were are, are the obvious ones. I don't yeah. think they're selling Fletcher. You know, he's just now hitting his prime. He's really yeah. having a good strong uh, you know first month or so. You know, so. You know, and you got you, you need some compliments around Trout, and Trout's still in his yeah. prime, but you know t- the clock is ticking, and he's not going to be in his prime forever, right? So yeah, you got Fletcher and Rendon around him. You got some offense, but you still need a lot of pieces. So sell what you can, you know, figure it out in the off season. But they, yeah, and probably bring in a new GM and and find a new strategy. That's it. Obviously, the strategy should be you have to build around Trout, but they haven't been able to do it. But nonetheless, somebody else is going to have to give it a shot. Yeah, Jason Jason Castro is another one there. Yep. Um, but Jason Castro, Angelton Simmons, Tommy Lastella, nobody's giving you a top 100 pitching prospect that you can slot in next year for any of those guys. No, those it's, are all low single-digit guys. Yeah, it's all slim pickings for those guys. There's not a whole lot that they – and the Angels, like you said, Fletcher, Trout, Rendon, Otani, that's a scary, scary top of the lineup. Yeah, uh, you just need more than a top of a lineup to win baseball games in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the whole rest of that team isn't quite getting it done. Yeah, and Joe Adele, you know, is he started off kind of cold. You know, obviously a huge, you know, top prospect, but um, it's going to take him a while to adjust. And the jury's still yeah. out on him. But yeah. but maybe next by this time next year he starts to, it starts to click. And, and he still doesn't know how to pitch. Yeah, he hasn't learned that part. <laughs> yeah, <yet>. right. <laughs> so it, it it'll be. F- I'm hesitant to say it'll be fun because there's always the chance that it's just a quiet deadline. A lot of players will be named later, if anything. Um, a lot of these teams just stand pat, but we could see some real weird stuff, and that's that's fun. Yeah, and you're starting to hear rumblings. You know, I saw. Um, I've seen a few interviews where they said, well, you know, like so a couple of obvious rentals. Some of the similar guys we've talked about will probably move because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, um, but but. You know, and but there may be some like I'm hearing some rumblings. There may be some sort of prospect challenge trades, which I think, yeah. thought was an interesting idea. Um, you know, uh, you, you don't we we saw a couple of them last year, like the uh, the Diamondbacks and the Marlins made one yep. with Zach Gallen. Um, you know, so we might see. And you know, the Rays are always sort of thinking creatively, and you might see them do something. The Padres have been they have so much prospect stock to sell, and their clock's ticking, so they they may be doing something like that. So that's where the interest, I think, is going to come from, teams like that. Mm-hmm. And we have seen a couple positive developments there. The one is um, Kylie McDaniel reported a couple weeks back that uh, MLB has allowed 
or created a system of sort of information sharing for their mm -hmm. uh, alternate sites mm -hmm. uh, where teams can share video of prospects and everything. So maybe that gives teams a little bit more instead of just, oh, here's this guy we saw back in August of 2019. We're going to cross our fingers that he's still in shape and still good and trade Mike Clevenger for him. Instead, they can get a real up-to-date look at yeah. what his swing's looking like, uh, what, he's, what his body's looking like, and see if they're actually willing to make that move. Um, so that sounds like a good sign. Um, like you mentioned, some young player for young player moves. Uh, Jerry DePoto mentioned that, yep. I believe, on MLB Network or MLB Network Radio, one of the two, yep. um, saying that we might see more rumblings there. And that makes sense, too, because teams might just be more willing to shuffle around some pieces that, again, they've already seen in the major leagues this year, but maybe flip one that fits their roster a little better. Even if you're a buy-now team, maybe you, you're you willing to move a Carter Keyboom if it fills another position on the roster with a similar, similarly talented young major leaguer. Yeah, I think, <clears throat> you know, mentioning DePoto's comments, what, what, what I'm hearing is that um, there's a lot of risk aversion. Um, mm -hmm. So teams don't want to give up a lot of assets for um, a player with a short amount of control, knowing that there's still a lot of uncertainty whether there will be a postseason, although it's looking a little bit more more certain. Uh, but then there's financial uncertainty and how much their budgets are going to get cut for next year. Yeah. Um, so they're playing it safer. Like, okay, we can move a one-month rental. That's safe. And you know, prospects are cheap, right? From a salary point of view. So if we if we do a prospect prospect, that's fine. You know, you'll still have that that you know those years of control. And you know, they're they're oper they're each saying that they're operating on a on a level playing field that way. But yeah. where they're they're feeling nervous is about I'm not going to sell a whole bunch of prospects for you know, an expensive player, both expensive and trade value expensive in salary. Like a Clevenger, maybe a little bit harder to move because of that. So um, yeah, yeah, that's where it's dicey. Yeah, just so many question marks. I think uh, Ken Rosenthal mentioned a, a solution to at least one of those problems, the uh, uncertainty of the playoffs. He kind of, uh, in an article from a couple of weeks back, he mentioned that in the past, as we've known, there have been contingent deals where the player to be named later is contingent on whether a team makes the playoffs or not. And that so they the teams agree to the deal and they have two names and they say, if we make the playoffs, if this trade works for us and everything breaks right, we get this guy. If we don't, we get this guy. <clears throat> right. And so maybe we see a little bit of that with sort of the contingency of if there are playoffs, we get this guy. If there aren't, we get this guy. So, yeah, well, that makes our job harder, right, Josh? Cause like, yes, it's not, it's not, it's not like what? <laughs> like, <Yes. laughs> too many, too many variables as it is. You're going to throw me even more. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, the information that we do get from this deadline, um, it, it might be it might be a little sparse. Um, mm -hmm. If if all the trade if all the trades are for players to be named later and we don't find out who they are until yeah. September, October, November, that's that makes our job a little harder to see if we're actually on the right track here. Or even if trades do go through with major leaguers, if it's or with prospects, if it's with prospects that evaluators haven't seen in six months to a year so they weren't able to update them right that's a concern so this that's isn't true. to say that we aren't doing everything we can and that we don't still trust our model or anything but just that 
who knows how much we'll actually be able to learn from this next there, yeah there's more there, uh, clearly there's more uncertainty than ever and gms have the same problem they're all acknowledging that as well so we're we're all in the same boat yeah definitely all right let's that went a little longer than i expected but that's fine it was a good <laughs> good talk let's head into the news real quick um first we just have a handful of minor transactions uh Yankees and Phillies. The Yankees traded David Hale for Addison Russ. Um, that was kind of a precursor to that big move that we'll talk about in just a minute. Um, really nothing to say there. Addison Russ is a little bit interesting as a minor league reliever. David Hale is just kind of a depth, long relief type. Um, just kind of the Phillies adding an arm. Yeah, I have one comment to make about that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are a few sort of journeyman types that we for you know we can't add everybody to our model it's already yeah. like all close to three thousand places so like some guys slip through the cracks david hale was one of them like we never bothered to add him to the, to the <laughs> system just because like why you know because he's yeah. <laughs> and i and i said you know when i got a, a comment from one of our users one love said hey how come david hale's not in there and that's why because he's a journeyman yeah. he's been released by several teams well then he gets traded i'm like okay sorry i stand corrected he had a teensy bit of trade value and so kudos to one love for pointing that out um and i yeah. stand corrected on that one he did have a just a little bit because as i looked at the numbers when i was modeling him i was like okay he's a little uptick in 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 the last year or two so okay all right sure philly's desperately needed help all right i can see it (laughs) so sometimes we see those cases yeah and if if you guys take the time to run through the system or if you had access to the back end like we do there's so many guys in there (laughs) like I think one thing we could improve on is maybe clearing out some guys, but we also don't want to have a situation where uh, if if we had this all going back in the early 2010s, we would have had Daniel Bard in there. Exactly. And then he disappears for five years and then he's back. We don't want to have to yeah. recreate him again. So there's no, no real harm to having Jung Ho Gong still in the system or <laughs> one of these other right. guys. But yeah. Um, there's we'll some so, there's so many players. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It, it's a little exhausting. There's just so many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, another Phillies bullpen move. Um, actually, as the corresponding move for when they added Hale, they DFA'd Austin Davis and then traded him to the Pirates for cash and a player to be named later. Again, just kind of one of those depth arms. Not really going to exactly. rest on that too much. Giants not, traded not Rob Brantley to the Yankees today. Just a backup catcher type. Nothing uh, there. Another guy that we never bothered to, to yeah. enter a system because we think the value was so low. It just like wasn't worth it. So yeah. But okay, maybe he sold it for a couple of bucks. Okay. If there's a group of you that is really out there coming to the site and getting excited about the simulator just so you can play around with trading Rob Brantley to your favorite team, <laughs> we humbly apologize. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, and then then two. Two other of these like DFA type moves, uh, type trades that were actually a little interesting. Um, so the Giants picked up Daniel Robertson from the Rays, a former legitimate prospect. Uh, he was with the A's initially. They traded him to the Rays as part of their Ben Zobris deal back in 2015, and then he had some up and down years with the Rays. Eventually, got cut and was traded to the Giants. Um, what do you what do you think of that? Yeah. So. Um... You know, he his stock has been dropping. He's been getting less and less playing time, and it wasn't really he had just kind of got off stride about two years ago, um, and um, just never got his never got his groove back. And you know, it's a crowded Rays lineup. They just kept bumping him for other 
you know, and, and he's starting to run out of options. So it's like, okay, at a certain point. So we kept dropping his value as we saw those trends and got to the point where he was DFA'd. So, and, you know, his, his value was under one. So, uh, but there might be a little bit, you know, we just talked about, you know, uh, the Giants and Farhan's 80 being opportunistic, yeah. picking up uh, guys up scrap heap, and he might have a touch of upside left if you give him a little. Yeah. You know, um, give him a little work, give him a little playing time. Maybe something happens. So I, I could see it. Plus, there's that connection there between Farhan and Robertson from both of them overlapping with the A's for a few right. years. That's right. Um, so, yeah, why not? If you're the sure. Giants, and <laughs> we mentioned that they're so hot, but they still have some some chaff on that roster. Mm-hmm. Um, they they cut Hunter Pence to make room for him. So. Unfortunate, but Hunter Pence just wasn't hitting at all this season, and he's he's a zero in the outfield. So, yeah, he's um, 37. He's, you're not you're not gonna. I don't think you're seeing another rebound there. Yeah, unfortunate. Fun player to watch, but Daniel Robertson yeah. is a better piece for them going forward. Mm-hmm. And then this one is just bizarre, but also kind of awesome. It's the Blue Jays acquiring Daniel Vogelbach from the Mariners in exchange mm-hmm. for cash considerations. Uh, the reason I say it's bizarre is not necessarily because of his value, just because of the fit on the Blue Jays, um, a team that already employs another large first baseman in Rowdy Tellez. <laughs> but right. I will gladly watch those two hit back-to-back in a lineup. Yeah, well, Vogelback stopped hitting. Um, yeah. He was an all-star in 2019. Well, you know, every team has to have somebody, so he was the Mariners' rep. Uh, last year and but to, to be fair he was hitting very well last spring yeah he, um, he earned it in the first half yeah. of the season and then he just he just completely lost it um you know strikeout king it's just over and over strikeout strikeout he just couldn't hit anymore and carried that into this season um now the preseason um <clears throat> projections still liked him based on his potential and what he had shown in the first half and so, you know, we had his value up a little bit, but then when he started hitting, and I have to give credit for one of our users, Matt Swinky, who's a Mariners fan, and on top of things with everything Mariners, um, emailed us and said, hey, vocal back's too high. And we looked at it and said, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And then he just kept dropping and to the point where he was DFA'd, and, you know, so yeah. credit to Matt for pointing that out. But we were, we were, um, we did get on that once we sort of saw some of that trend as well. So, um, but you also make a good point. What are the Blue Jays going to do with you know, two rather heavy set DH types. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I have seen some, uh, some responses from blue Jays fans on that. Just saying like they desperately needed a bench bat. They okay. were kind of using Joe panic and Santiago Espinal as their like main pinch hitters. And those aren't exactly, those aren't exactly scaring the other pitcher into, <laughs> into throwing one down the middle or anything. So uh, he, he fits that role. All right. Um, I got the numbers here. Over his last 310 plate appearances last season, he hit 162, 297, 344. And this season in 64 plate appearances, he hit 094, 250, 225. Yeah, not good. So that's not good. (laughs) When you're Daniel Vogelbach and your body is about 95% shoulders and belly and you can't hit homers or just hit the ball in general, that's a problem. You have one um, job, Daniel Vogelbach. Yeah. One yeah. job. <laughs> You're not playing defense. That's yeah. your job. You're definitely not running the bases out here. <laughs> so the best of best of luck to him in, ter- yep. in Buffalo, not Toronto, in Buffalo. <laughs> um, fun player to watch hit when he hits the ball far. Uh, not so fun the rest of the time. Yeah. All right. And then just another quick hit right here. We mentioned Mike Clevenger a little earlier. The Indians recalled him. They 
had initially, I, I believe we discussed this in the last episode, uh, they had sent him down to the alternate site for violating uh, some of the team policy, the COVID policy, along with Zach Plesak. Plesak wasn't brought back yet, um, but since both of them were optioned, their names both came up a lot in trade rumors. Um, and there was mention that if they left them at the alternate site long enough, they could avoid Super 2 for Plesak, I believe, and gain an extra year of control on Clevenger. They didn't quite get that extra year on Clevenger. Um, so he will he still comes with just the two years. Mm-hmm. And he's back in the bigs now. You, you could read this two ways. You could read it as, okay, the Indians are looking, they're looking good. They're competing. Um, he, they're bringing him up for the stretch run because they need him. Or you can look at it as, hey, you, if you're going to trade this guy, you want to show that he's stretched out and that he's ready to pitch. Yeah. Well, he's been certainly very popular on our trade boards, <clears throat> quite quite possibly the most popular, um, because, you know, he has all the ingredients you want. You know, he's a good pitcher, and he may be available, and he may be expendable. And so people are sensing blood in the water, you know, from the, from the Indians' uh, standpoint. And fueled by the fact that the Indians seem to have a pitching machine, where I don't know yeah. how they do it. They just keep... <laughs> You just keep printing, new, get new guy after new guy. Like, wow, Savali, wow, Plesak, you know, McKenzie. They just keep coming, you know. And so it makes mm-hmm. the other guys sort of expendable, right? They traded Kluber, and you know, um, so so <clears throat> you know, there's a there's definitely a, a, a they've got some something going on in Cleveland. Now they're also got budget challenges, right? And Clevenger's yeah. getting expensive, which is another reason why they might want to trade him. So of the two, he seems the more likely one to go. Uh, between him and Plesak, so um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Now, having said that, he got off to a little bit of a rocky start. He had some knee injury problems earlier, and yeah. um, you know, hasn't you know, short sample obviously, but you know, he needs to start to putting it together. Just you know, if they're going to trade him, they might want to showcase him a little bit to see to show that he's uh, he is who he should be. Yeah, I think it makes so much sense for them to move at least one of these guys, especially if they believe in McKenzie down the stretch. Um, yeah. He had a fantastic first start, and they're going to give him a second one and kind of just take it from there. But I think for the for the average team, it makes more sense to move Plesak, just because Clevenger's probably, he's the more proven pitcher. He's probably the better pitcher right now. And they're at the top of their division right now. They're fighting for that first spot in the NL, or the AL Central, excuse me. Um, and they their outfield is just abysmal right now. Um, their their outfield is hitting worse than most pitchers do. Yeah, uh, it's it's pathetic. They need to they need to make a move there, and if they want to get an impact player out there, Plesac or Clevenger can get them that. But as you mentioned, the salary is a huge concern for Cleveland. Always has been. So maybe Clevenger is that guy they move. Yeah, and you mentioned the outfield. It, it's continuing to be a problem. They just keep throwing spaghetti against the wall, hoping somebody <laughs> is sticking, and it's not. Even Oscar Mercado, who they thought, oh. Finally, we got a guy, and now he and he's been terrible, and they had to option him down. So yeah. uh, it just they just can't seem to find it. I like spaghetti as a term to uh, to refer to the collective of Greg Allen and <laughs> Oscar Mercado and Delino De Shields and yeah. Tyler Naquin and Bradley Zimmer. That's spaghetti. Sometimes it looks like they go to the plate with a spaghetti noodle in their hands. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that'll that's the biggest name probably. Clevenger and Bauer are probably the two biggest to watch over the next week. Mm. Uh, but now let's take a look at the one significant deal we have had so far. This was just a few days ago. 
The Phillies acquire Brandon Workman and Heath Hembry from the Red Sox in exchange for Nick Pavetta, Connor Siebold, and it looks like $815,000. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it makes sense. <laughs> the Phillies have been kind of a mess. A large part of that has been their bullpen, and Workman is good, and Hembry has some team control. Phillies were pretty pretty over Nick Pavetta. Um, we have we have seen some reports come out since the trade that scouts are that scouts like Connor Siebold, the second piece there. Uh, we had his value low based on just as we as we calculate our prospects based on the evaluations that are made public. Um, but there's certainly there's some people that like him. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That happens. Yeah. <clears throat> we yeah. saw it happen last year with the uh, the Marcus Stroman trade where people went, oh. Yeah. Uh, and then Simeon Woods Richardson turned out to be now he's a top 100 prospect, so his value pointed out. So, so you know, quite often as they should be, the scouts are ahead of the yeah. public information, and this may be another case with Siebold. Although I don't expect he's going to, you know, it's not like he's going to be a top prospect, but maybe there's, mm-hmm. he's worth a little bit more than the 0.3 that we had, and that would make it an even deal because there was a, there was a little bit of a gap. There's you know, well within range. We had the yeah. Red Sox getting 5.1 and Philly getting seven. So if that's the case, it's much closer. It's like six and seven. It's right in there. Yeah, yeah. All in all, it just seems like a very very fair deal. I mean, yeah. Workman's a rental. He's just got this last month or so. Hembry's got some more team control, but he's not as good as Workman. And Pavetta's always shown flashes. He'll have one start where he strikes out 12 or something, get everyone excited, and then dingers. (laughs) Just dingers. Um, But, I mean, I guess the Red Sox are going to take a chance on that, and they need to with what what their rotation looks like right now. Yeah, they could. Um, You know, interestingly, it reminds me a little bit of Nathan Ovaldi. I always had good stuff. And, you know, couldn't put it together. And then finally he did for a spell, you know, every now and then he does. And so but you never quite know if he's a starter or reliever of all. He had the same yeah. issue. Um, so Pavetta is still sort of on that fence, which is why we had him as a sort of a he didn't he hasn't quite cut it as a starter. So but you could maybe see him if you just focused on relief. Maybe he could like really shut people down if you just sort of play up a little bit. So, you know, he could go either way. Um, so maybe they see something to work with there. But I also sort of see this as a fair trade from the sense of it, both sides are cleaning house, frankly, a little bit. Okay, yeah. you got you to clear out some stuff, that, you know, from a Red Sox point of view, that's not going to be with us in our next run. Phillies saying, okay, we're going to clear out Pavetta because we gave up, you know. So like, mm-hmm. all right, <laughs> it's fair from that point of view. And we did mention the Red Red Sox before when we were talking about the uh, playoff odds and everything and just kind of teams that expected to be better than they have been and now are forced to be sellers. Um, how far do you think this Red Sox sale goes? Because obviously it they got goes, they, yeah. they got Heimblum in charge now. He's not afraid to nope. he's not afraid to do anything up there. He comes from the Rays for God's they'll they'll trade anyone. Um, exactly. Yep. No, his he'll, first he'll move trade is just him. Is just two of the most obvious guys to move here. A rental reliever and another one that isn't really lighting up the charts or anything. Why not move him? But there's some yeah. rumblings about J.D. Martinez, about Xander Bogarts. Do you think anything happens there? Well, publicly, Bloom has said Bogarts and Devers are not moving, that they're part of the next core. You never say never, though. Um, you know, I think the, the, the smaller pieces are going to move. You know, the Matt Barnes is in... You know, he'll, he'll get anything he can yeah. for Jackie Bradley Jr. There's not much interest Kevin there. Pilar, Mitch Moreland. Pilar and Moreland at least are having um, yeah. decent enough, you know, season so far that you can get something for them. Moreland, 
surprisingly so and he's got uh you know three million next year so you could see it's fair so somebody might give him so you know they can get a little something there so those guys those those you know rentals and edge cases are going to move i can see no reason not to you know get what you can for them and we've got a lot of red sox fans coming to our site and on our trade boards they've been very active trying to sort of piece together this package and that package and jd and barnes and jd and this guy and so, so they're really trying to work it you know <laughs> so that's yeah, off yeah. to you guys but i can see you bloom doing the same thing yeah and the big the big factor there is we've seen a lot of people in the industry kind of saying that like money is just a huge issue this deadline yeah. and the teams that are willing to eat contracts are the ones that are going to be able to make the best deals and the red sox can eat contracts and <laughs> The thing with Martina, both Martinez and Bogarts have opt-outs coming up. I believe it's every every season of Martinez's contract, and yeah. Bogarts has one in two years, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they're the Red Sox. If those players continue to be good, they can open the, check, the checkbooks and bring them back on a larger deal. Um, but those are a concern, and... Maybe if you're if you're a win now team that needs a DH now that there's a DH everywhere, maybe if you're the Rockies and you think you're a win now team <laughs> that definitely needs a DH, uh, maybe you say, hey, if you eat half of Martinez's salary, we'll throw you something. So <clears throat> here's the tricky thing with Martinez, because of those opt outs, you know, you you don't have guaranteed team control. You only yeah. have control for the time before the opt out. Mm -hmm. Now, as we look at our projections, we say, okay, well. Yeah. You know, is is there more? Is there any surplus above? The, if there's surplus, you know, next year or the year after, that means Martinez might not opt out because your effect. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, he would opt out because yeah, he's yeah. saying I'm underpaid and therefore maybe I can get more. Mm -hmm. um, and so you're thinking, okay, um, I might be only acquiring him for a month and a half or whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, so and then there's the other issue is. If he does opt out from Boston's point of view, they can always give him a, a qualifying offer and he could always decline it, in which case they get a draft pick. So we have to yeah. calculate the probability of that happening, which yeah. is why you see his value is what it is. It's largely reflective of that scenario mm -hmm. rather than the surplus, because the surplus isn't all that much, given yeah. that there's only a month plus of this year left, which yeah. is the only control. So, I, you know, it, it, there's all sorts of you know weird variables there, mm -hmm. but that's what we're going with. And 2020 just adds a whole nother layer to it. Do we, yeah. do we in a normal year, yes, maybe they, <clears throat> maybe Martinez is worth the opt-out, or excuse me, is worth the uh, qualifying offer. But we don't know how the market's going to treat players after the season. We don't know how well teams are going to recover financially. We don't know what 2021 season's going to look like. So maybe he now isn't worth 17 mil, 18 mil, whatever the qualifying offer rate is. Right. And so... Maybe he's just another one of those edge cases. So it's... That's, that, yeah, that's right. And and if he doesn't opt out, and you have financial concerns, then you're stuck with a big contract that you know yeah. he could just keep going the next couple of years. And so that may be more of the you know concern. So you know all those things considered, we're just going with the number that seems to make the most sense, which is he may opt out this year. You you know any team potentially acquire him only has him for the, for a month plus guaranteed. Yeah. And. Boston can QO him, and so we're just going with that scenario right now as the most likely. Mm -hmm. And all that makes him difficult, not impossible to trade, but certainly difficult. Yeah. I believe, did Justin Upton have an opt-out when he was traded to the Angels? I don't remember. I think honest. he did have an opt-out, and then they just re 
they signed him to a new contract. Yeah, yeah, that season. sounds familiar. Yeah. But I think that's the only one, the only opt-out trade I can remember happening in recent years since since the opt-outs became so popular for these bigger name players. Yeah, blame Scott Boris for that. Yeah. <laughs> the only <laughs> Scott <laughs> Boris does so much good for us. <laughs> All right, so fun trade looks pretty fair and we'll see what the Red Sox, what else the Red Sox have in store for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of fun trades, let's head into the trade of the week. As usual, if you want to be featured in the trade of the week, just submit a trade on the site. And if the fans, if the readers of the site like it, then we'll discuss it. And that was certainly the case here. This trade has 21 upvotes to eight downvotes. And it's a pretty big three team deal submitted by Jay Blyer 229. And it's the Indians, the Braves and the Giants. So in this one, the Indians would acquire uh, Mike Yastrzemski, which uh, Giants fans are already kind of holding their breath on this one. <laughs> uh, Mike Yastrzemski, who's worth $30.3 million, uh, from the Giants, as well as Tucker Davidson, a left-handed pitching prospect worth $13.7 million from the Braves. The Braves, on the other hand, would acquire Mike Clevenger from the Indians, $38.4 million, and Wilmer Flores from the Giants, $10.6 million. And for all of that, the Giants get Drew Waters, outfield prospect from the Braves, worth $40.9 million. So there's a lot, of, a lot of moving parts here. It's a little difficult to discuss a three-team trade if you don't have it open right in front of you. <laughs> but this one's pretty interesting. What do you think? It's certainly got a lot of um, respect from our users and some good, interesting comments as well. Some people think it needs a little bit more. Some people think it's spot on. Um, I think it's really fair. I mean, you know, I my gut feeling was, yeah, this, and I think it makes a lot of sense for each team. And the Yank, the Indians get. We just talked about their terrible outfield. Well, they've got a, a guy who is, you know, <clears throat> is hot as a firecracker in, in Yastrzemski, who just keeps hitting. He's, you know, we thought maybe he was a one-hit wonder last year, but hey, it's in his second year, and he's still got an OPS over a thousand. So he's still yeah. he's rolling. He's rolling. So he could definitely help their offense. And we mentioned, you know, if they trade Clevenger, they still seem to have more pitchers to draw from. So maybe they're not losing them that much. So it's a net gain for them. And they get Especially another left Especially for Adam Davidson. Yeah. And they get another pitching prospect. Right. Yeah. So you got to think, okay, Indians could definitely, I could see them pulling the trigger on that. The Braves desperately need another starter after they lost Soroka and they've been trying Tukey. They've been trying right and nobody's working and they've Ian got, Anderson they've got need help. Today. Yeah. So. They could definitely use another arm there, especially an experienced one, because, you know, they're likely to be the top seat, you know, the top contender out of the NLEs. You know, they've got a lot of other pieces that are going well, so but they need that rotation help. And they've got and they would get uh, Wilmer Flores, who is a sneaky, good utility guy who just keeps popping up and hitting well. And uh, another smart pickup from you know, anxiety of the, of the Giants, and maybe he flips them now because he made a little bit of profit there. And then the Giants were rebuilding, get a top hitting prospect in Drew Waters. Gotta love it all. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think the the only real holdups here are Yastrzemski on both sides there, both on the Indians of we don't know about this dude. He's got like one full season's worth of at bats. He's 29. Are we sure he's legit enough to move our biggest trade chip? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the big question mark. The big question mark for the Giants of we might have just struck gold here with Yastrzemski. Do we sell early or is do we think he's legit and that his value continues to climb? Mm-hmm. And then the other question mark there with Drew Waters is I saw a tweet from Eric Longenhagen, head yep. uh, head Fangraphs prospect analyst, 
and he's got waters moving down a little bit. And he, he said it was largely of his own, uh, just a shift in his own viewpoint and of higher concern about guys that struggle to make contact in the minors like waters. Uh, but if that's, that's certainly not good news. I, I believe he was downgraded almost two full prospect grades. So uh, we would, and that's reflective of his value on our site right now. So we yeah, immediately yeah. updated it as a result of that. Cause he's one of the guys we follow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, that is legitimate concern. And so the giants would be taking on some risk here. I think, I think more so than the Indians and Braves would. I think mm-hmm. that's the big question mark. So I think this lines up well in theory and it fills holes on every team very well. And it seems like a very good fit. It's so hard to see this happening though. Mm. Uh, even in a normal season, I feel. Because? Uh, just because there's... Yastrzemski, do you, do you ever really see a player like Yastrzemski traded? Well, first of all, you never really see players like Yastrzemski that <laughs> come up and start just killing the ball at age 28, 29 with no real track record. But I feel like you don't often see guys like that flipped for a legitimate frontline starting pitcher. Yeah, that usually takes them a little bit more time to, to um, you know, I, 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 <clears throat> I've i mentioned to a few users, there's this concept of the value curve where you kind of, as you're coming up, you know, your value starts to rise if you're playing well. And over time, the more you establish yourself, the more your value rises. So he could he could conceivably worth be worth even more a year from now as his, his you know, if he continues to perform with this and establish himself more, he's going to rise on that value curve. So he may be worth twice as much. So we may be, you know, I can think, I, Whit Merrifield comes to mind, another late yeah. bloomer who really kind of, you know, and net, you know, he's the Royals' best trade chip. Um, so it does happen. There's a few other cases like that as well. But um, so you can see him, maybe he is the real thing. And to your point, maybe they'd be selling low because they think he's going to, you know, continue to do this and his value will rise even higher. Now, the flip side to that is as he gets into his 30s, you know, aging curves come into play and he may not be as good. You know, so the, he may hit a peak and then start to decline pretty fast. So mm-hmm. um, but when is that peak is the question, you know, and they may be selling too soon. Yeah, it's I think he's really the linchpin of why this deal doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just because there's so much more uncertainty there. You're either trading away the second coming of Babe Ruth, or you're trading for a guy you're going to DFA in a year. It's mm. yeah, it's such a wide range there. So I, and, I like the oh, go for it, go for it. Oh, I just want to say, and and that's a really good point that speaks to how we sort of work our valuations with players like this who have short track records. Mm-hmm. We blend them with their their prospect rating. So you know the, what you're you're making the point that Yastrzemski could go either way. And that's exactly what, so, you know, he's hitting over a thousand OPS. Um, and so we don't just take his major league numbers and extrapolate from that without any other consideration, because that would, his value would be astronomical. You know, what we're doing is blending it with him. The fact that he was largely a non prospect up until last year. And so we're balanced. Those two factors balance each other out. But the more he established himself, the more the major league record will outweigh the non prospect evaluation. And so, so it will, you know, those, those numbers will shift over time. If he doesn't to your point of maybe he flames out, then it goes back to, well, he wasn't really a prospect to begin with. So, so that's why we do it that way. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that process works very well. It has worked for us in the past, and I in no way doubt that 30.3 number that he has right now. I just think he as a player comes with more variance than 
yes. than maybe it's anyone else in this deal. And when, when somebody else in the deal is Drew Waters, a lower minors, mid minors, outfield prospect that's striking out about 30% of the time, and he's not the lowest variance in the deal, feels like a bit of a red flag. Mm-hmm. Yep, fair point. So it's it's definitely a fun deal, and it fits everybody's needs very well, and I think that's why all of our users liked it so much. So thanks again, Jay Blyer229. All right, let's head into the feature topic of this episode almost an hour in. <laughs> uh, are you still good on time? Yeah. Awesome. Let's head into the main topic of all of the updates that we painstakingly <laughs> implemented over this last weekend. Um, we went through the whole system. We split it up the same way we usually do. John took pitchers, I took hitters, and adjusted everybody according to their 2020 numbers. So why don't you why don't you take them through a uh, kind of an outline of the process? So we got spreadsheets, big spreadsheets, <clears throat> and you know there's a version for preseason, and then there's sort of an update version for partial seasons. This one was even more complicated because it's not a normal partial season, right? It's, you know, in a normal partial season, we'd be doing this maybe, you know, at the end of May and then at the end of June, and we'd be, <clears throat> you know, waiting the, the numbers as, you know, as we went. But because it was already a shortened season, we had to kind of do sort of a partial season on top of a partial season, if you will, a waiting of one month, which is actually a half of a season. <clears throat> Having said that, one month of data is a small sample size. So um, we experimented with various weightings, and we found that, you know, you can't go too much further than a normal sort of one month is one typically one-sixth of a season. So it's really we're going to weight these results as, you know, one to five, basically. Like, you know, in a typical season, this would be the end of April, um, and there would still be five months to go. So the projections for the season would still outweigh the one month of results. Having said that, Sometimes those one-month results um, can be very significant. We just talked about one case with Yastrzemski. Um, <clears throat> and those numbers change, can sometimes change the profile. So for guys particularly who have longer spans of control, you know, that, um, you know, that, that can cascade down through the years. You might think, okay, he's going to start you – know, his aging curve is going to start when he's 30, which is Yastrzemski as an example – um, but he's now starting at a higher point. And so as he goes down those aging curves, the whole thing sort of goes up. And so that's why his value went up to 30, you know, because it was in the teens before. So <clears throat> I don't know if you've all followed that, but there's a lot of math that I won't get into. Um, but that one month, my point is that one month can have significance in certain cases. We did see guys jump a little bit. Um, so, um, but we're, what we're trying to do is be conservative about it and say, this will want, even though it's a half a season and a shortened season, it's really only one month of data, so we can't trust it too much because you know we know there's going to be a lot of regression to the mean. So the preseason projections still kind of outweigh the one month, but if that one month is significant, it's going to play a role in changing values. Yeah, yeah, and I think that brings us to the three, uh, at least to me, the three most significant challenges we had this time around. Number one is, as you mentioned, one mar- one month of data. How do we, we, we don't know for sure. We can make our best guess based on what we have available to us, but we never know for sure which one month sample is significant and which one isn't. We mm-hmm. can look at the underlying numbers. We can do our very best. Um, but even even Mike Trout could have a 
he, he never has, so maybe that's not the greatest example. But <laughs> even he could have a bad month. And... Well, Yelich had a bad start this year. Yes. That's an example. Ronald Acuna was awful <clears throat> yeah. for the first two weeks. Couldn't stop. Bellinger had out. a bad start. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's we know these guys are still great. They're still elite. Yeah. But on some of those edge cases where it's a, a Yastrzemski, where it's a Robbie Grossman, and it's like, okay, all the data seems to say this might be legit. We still just don't know for sure. There's always going to be more uncertainty than ever before when we're talking with a one-month sample. Yeah, but Second the other sort of, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was just going to jump in with one part. The other mm-hmm. thing is the teams are forced to make transactions now yeah. based on this data, though. Yeah. So we have to kind of align with it. If they're saying, well, we got a month of data to work with, so we got to work with it, we're saying, okay, we got to work with it too. So yeah. we're all in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, second point is for players that don't even have that one month, uh, for guys who maybe it's a prospect that was held down the first two weeks and so he's only got two weeks of data for a guy that spent some time on the bench for a guy that spent some time injured and so for them there's a lot of data that we just kind of can't really use it's mm-hmm. how much how much can we really put into 50 at bats worth of data right. it's already sketchy enough putting any kind of value into 100 or 120 at bats but the lower that number gets the less usable that data even becomes and we kind of just have to trust like you say the preseason projections and everything on those guys yeah and there were some pitchers that i just didn't even bother to update because they haven't even started yet or like a keon keela who is a trade possibility but he pitched like one inning and then they, and now he's and like i can't I, there's not much to yeah. work with there <laughs> yeah and then the third challenge is just some statistics haven't been available to us uh, won't go too in depth onto that but there were certain numbers that we would have liked to be able to use um, that just because of the weirdness of the season or whatever reason we aren't entirely sure have not yet been made publicly available. So we had to kind of improvise there. We had to work around a little bit. Um, As I did it though, I didn't think that was too big a concern, but Mm -hmm. you know, it is a legitimate point. Yeah. Okay. So those that's, that's kind of a rundown of what we did. Um, As we've mentioned in the past, we're not going to go, we're not going to open up the hood to, (laughs) to show you guys too much under the hood um if you want to learn a little bit more check out the history and all the other information on the website um but now let's head into some of the trends that we saw some of the players that stood out to us i'll let you go ahead and start off since with one of one of the trends you found among pitchers so yeah i just was looking at relievers and Mm -hmm. there are a few breakout relievers um, Josh Stamont of the Royals, Gregory Soto of the Tigers, Jordan Romano of the Blue Jays. These are guys who did virtually nothing before this. And suddenly, you know, they found a new gear. Maybe they found a new pitch. Maybe they found a different pitch mix. Chris Stratton, I'm going to throw in here as well. He was a journeyman. And suddenly he's gotten hot as a reliever. Now, granted, this is only one of the data. But with relievers, you're always dealing with small sample sizes and, you know, sometimes those sample sizes can be a little bit more significant because they, they – you know, they show you they can get outs in one inning stints. And these guys have really kind of turned the corner. So, I, you know, so you start to see their value climbing as a result on our site. And um, <clears throat> but the other thing with relievers is they're so it's it's a weird sort of paradox of on the one hand, they're 
um, some numbers are stable, like there were numbers you'll see in the projections relatively stable, but it's all the other things around that that is so variable that 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 cause them, you know, and and in the statistical category, but in their performances, they're variable. You know, they can have one bad year, they can have three good years, like Edwin Diaz, and then a bad year, and now he's coming back again, you know, after getting demoted. So like there, there's so much for. I'm not breaking any news here. Relievers are variable, so like that is a big challenge, but. <clears throat> But, you know, we so we have to sort of align with that variability, if you follow me. So we not we look at the track record as a whole, but we also focus on because teams are making decisions on the basis of one short period of time or one year of data or two years of data. And that's all that matters to them quite often sometimes. So because what they did in 2015 doesn't really have any significance in 2020. So we are we are seeing so you're seeing some ups and downs as a result just on the reliever front. That's one trend Mm -hmm. I'll mention. And um, yeah. Now it's your turn. Yeah, first name that comes to mind on that, uh, just real quick, is Drew Pomeranz. Mentioned him on the last episode. Obviously, he has a longer track record than Jordan Romano, but it was a similar situation last season where he sucked out of the rotation. I believe he was injured for a little bit, too. Comes out of the bullpen. He's looking awesome. Three or four appearances, that's enough for the Brewers to pull the trigger and make a pretty, give up a pretty significant prospect in Mauricio Dubon to acquire him. And it worked, and he was good, and he got a big contract, and it just turned out that he changed. Things about him changed, things about his profile, he was throwing a little bit harder, and it worked, and you could tell within a few bullpen stints. Um, So for a a guy like Romano, maybe that's a similar case. Mm -hmm. Um, On hitters, I'm just going to start out with something that I found the most fun out of all of this, and it's the superstars. (laughs) This isn't necessarily a significant trend that I'm identifying, but it's just kind of appreciation here. First of all, Mike Trout. I think we've mentioned it before. We've definitely mentioned it before on the website. I don't know if we have on the podcast, uh, but he kind of broke our system. <laughs> he's just he so, broke everybody's system. He's you can't pay him so, 90 million a year. <laughs> exactly. He's just so good that dollars per war doesn't work for him. Even when you heavily adjust it, it doesn't necessarily work out. And so, after even if he he hasn't had a fantastic month he's hitting for power average and obp are a little bit down uh, underlying metrics are looking all right he hasn't had the most mike trout month but even still it, when i updated the numbers the original if you look past the adjustments that we had to make specifically to mike trout just to account for him he was still looking at something like 270 million in surplus i think close uh-huh. to 300 million and that's mm-hmm. bonkers for a guy that's owed yeah. another 360 million on his <laughs> current contract we know that's not realistic and if above all else it's more of a thought exercise with trout because he's never getting traded it was already a 0.1 percent chance before the big contract he signs the big deal it's just not happening no no but the adjustments we've had to make, and even with those adjustments, he's still sitting at 116.9 yeah. in surplus on top of a $360 million contract. Wow. It's bonkers. It is. Um, and then uh, just comparing him, because something else we see is uh, comparing him to his teammate, Anthony Rendon. Rendon is already a little bit, he, he just signed that big uh, free agent contract last offseason. He's already a little bit in the red. He's at negative 1.9, and that largely comes from he signed that deal in his prime, and we just lost two-thirds of a season of 
one of of what should have been one of his best years on the contract right so even if that was completely fair market value at the beginning we've lost a good chunk of that time when he's supposed to be producing well above what he's paid for the first couple of years of that deal um trout doesn't do that (laughs) trout's just so insanely good and so much better than what he's being paid right now that he's gonna be in surplus for a long time yeah on the pitching front, uh, to that, I'll take your point there. And I'm going to raise you a U Darvish. U Darvish's contract was underwater when he was struggling a bit about two years ago, and then last year, on the second half of the year, he started to put it together a little bit more. And and it it struck. And this year, he's been fantastic. So he turned his contract completely around from a negative to a positive. And now he's got he's at 8.7 surplus on top of a big contract. And it just shows you, and I'm going to sort of echo your point that the good ones are really good for a reason. And sometimes their contracts are underwater temporarily until they find that other thing that makes them great. And then they turn it around and you're not surprised at all. Right. What Darvish has been doing is just remarkable. And it's, it's, I can't imagine the, him being in the negative right now, a team not being willing to give up something of value and take on the whole contract just with how well he's pitching right now. Not that the Cubs yeah. are trading him right now because they're at the top of their division, but he's just been on an insane run. Um, yeah. I think that another interesting thing is the tier below trout. So maybe, maybe you could see it as the future trouts. Uh, I don't think anybody's a future trout, but well, he just had a kid. There's a future trout. True, true. Beckham Aaron <laughs> trout. <laughs> there is one future trout. I, I dearly hope he chooses baseball and is almost as good as his father. Um, <laughs> but the the kids, Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr., they're insane. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Soto is running an ex-WOBA over 500. I think that's oh good. I, I, I think I've, if I, if I understand that correctly, that's like kind of good. Um, <laughs> and we've, we've all seen what Tatis is doing right now. It's incredible. Those two are also untradeable right now. Just 182 million surplus for Tatis. For Soto, we're looking at uh, there's a couple Sotos here. For Juan Soto, we're looking at 188.2. Mm-hmm. It's incredible, and it's it's one of the fun things about these updates. Um, it, it, you have to kind of find the little things in the updates because it can get kind of monotonous. You're sitting at a screen for a few hours, just kind of clicking between pages, typing in numbers. It takes a long time to update thousands of baseball players. Yeah, but true. one of the one of the fun takeaways is watching these young stars that you love to watch on TV. Watching these numbers just continue to trend in the right direction, and it's it's just fun. It is, and they're only twenty one. You know, they're <laughs> like Dodo was a teenager, and actually Tatis, I think, was uh, close to that. I mean, these guys are mm-hmm. young, and they're having a blast, and it's wonderful to see. I know Acuna's been hurt, but there's another one with her, and he's yes. still our top one. And he has a blast too when he plays. And there's, there's a whole generation of these guys who are just fun to watch and they're great. They're not afraid of anything. You know, they're just out there playing their hearts out. So it's wonderful mm-hmm. to see. And Acuna's is bonkers from our perspective as well, just because of that ridiculous contract they got yes. him on. Yes. And so while some of these other guys, we, we have their, uh, we have them set up so that their, our contract estimations scale with their performance to an extent, because we figure if they're playing well, they're going to get paid more in arbitration. It's still not going to be their full value, but that right. those two right. are linearly related. Uh, Acuna is set in stone on this very affordable contract for the next 10 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so as his on-field value just continues to increase, that contract doesn't increase with it. 
and that's that's phenomenal to watch as well yeah and the flip side of that so contract so it's a fixed versus a variable right yeah so, yeah um so fixed contracts can be great if you're playing above those because it just goes it's all surplus right it's all profit mm-hmm. um fixed contracts are bad if you're underperforming and you're going down you know a lot of these older players who are in decline have fixed contracts joey Votto used to be great for example and He's in his late 30s now, and he's just not the same player anymore. And he's, he's you know, he's got a lot of money still owed him, and he's not getting, you know, he's not going to come anywhere near, you know, all sorts of. If you look at our, like, you know, <clears throat> you know the the um, highest and lowest, the lowest are they're all guys like that, Pagal Cabrera yeah. and Pujols, and they're all past their prime and they're making too much money. So, so that's the downside of a fixed concept contract. Yeah. All right. What's your next point on pitchers? So. Um, I'm going to be a bummer as well and say a lot of the guys who we talked about as potential trade candidates at the beginning of the season have just disappointed. Matthew Boyd, Robbie Ray. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. Uh, Robbie Ray changed his mechanics a little bit. It made him worse, I have to say, uh, you know, just based yeah. on looking at the numbers. You know, and now they'll be lucky to get anything for him. Some people are saying, well, maybe we'll put him in the bullpen, you know, because he can at least strike people out. Like, that's what yeah. it's come down to. <clears throat> and he was going to yeah. get a QO. I don't see that happening now. Um, so um, that's been a, you know, and that trend and also so many injuries, so many pitching injuries, you know, and guys who were, you know, perhaps like Joe Musgrove was looking like a very solid trade ship. You know, Pittsburgh is selling everything and now they can't because he's injured. I mentioned Keela earlier. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's just a, disap- it's, it's, there's a lot of disappointment, unfortunately, on based on either underperformance or injury, um, and so you're not left with a whole lot. I mean, you know, when Trevor Williams is like one of the most talked about trade tips, he's not a yeah, lot going on. Yeah, he he had a bit of a stinker today too. Eight yeah, five innings, I think. That's that's not great. Um, I did mention a little earlier something similar happening on. Uh, on the hitting side, not necessarily the top trade chips, but a lot of those rentals that could have been an interesting deal here or there, the Sogards, the Smokes, those guys yeah. that are all just kind of underperforming. But there's also another class of hitters that's super interesting. They're, they don't have a whole lot of trade value because this is maybe the first or second, and they're kind of more bench bats. They're kind of the Howie Kendrick mold, where they're veterans, and right now they're just hitting the crap out of the ball, and I don't know why. Mitch um, Moreland. Yes, Mitch Moreland. At least he has a history of yeah. hitting the ball well, though. But we've got Mitch Moreland. We've got Donovan Solano that we mentioned before. Donnie Barrels. Less, he's, yes. <laughs> he's probably less of a trade chip since everything going on with the Giants. But then we got Phil Gosselin and yeah. Brad Miller. Yeah. Who are both going kind of nuts and it's it's the admittedly small sample but these guys could be legit now they're on pseudo contenders i'd say i don't i don't think i don't think the phillies and the cardinals are my top picks for for anything in the postseason but maybe a team that needs a dh or just needs some sort of bench bat sees some value in phil gosselin and says hey phillies we'll give you some relief prospect for him or whatever yeah and he ends up being a howie kendrick for them and hitting a game 
uh, go ahead to run home run off the foul pole in game seven of the World Series. <laughs> now, it's an interesting point because obviously Phil Gosselin is not going to continue to trip the league. He's over 30, I believe, and he's just yes. been nowhere near this, you know, anywhere in his career. So it strikes me as, you know, there's going to be regression to the mean. But that's only relevant if you look at a longer term picture. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe he's still going to be hot for another month. And why not just ride the wave? You know, the crazy Phil Gosselin wave. Sure. What the heck? <laughs> In this season, why not? Yeah. In this year, why not? You know, and I, you know, I have to on that front. I have to also give credit to the Mariners. Austin Nola, yes. where did he come from? Dylan yes. Moore, where did he come from? He's per- perking up. Um, like Nola, and, and our, our, I mentioned um, our user Matt Swinky. He's on. He keeps making trade proposals with Nola in them that are higher than our rating. And I took a second look at his recommendation. I agree, he needed to be a little bit higher. But he's a thirty-ish-year-old journeyman kind of catcher kind of first baseman he's um, the older brother of aaron nola yes that one caught so me where did guard. he come from <laughs> <laughs> but now he's like okay is it real or is he going to regress so that's that's the question there so we're taking it conservatively with him as well but we got to admit there's some something there going on mm-hmm. yeah it's there's a handful of those guys across the league and we'll probably see i expect to see one or two of them get moved in the next week or so and maybe they'll make an impact down the stretch maybe they'll be dfa'd in three weeks who knows um, yeah <clears throat> you have next um i just I wanted to throw you the other sort of disappointments on the hitter ah. side mm-hmm. josh bell adam frazier i mean the pirates are in a cell but these guys are cold as fish i don't know if they're getting moved um you know we're starting to see a few guys like that as well that you yeah. thought were going to be trade chips on the hitters side i don't know poor pirates dude yeah. Pirates, pirates are willing <laughs> i've seen reports they're willing to move everything and if you asked me a month and a half ago i'd say okay that looks pretty good for them they can get into a real rebuild right now i'm not so sure what what can they really get back for adam frazier and josh bell the way they're hitting right now i mean yeah <laughs> their values have just tanked yeah and i wanted to make one other point which is um, when we first started this site, we were sort of trusting some numbers from some sites on catcher value, and it was mm-hmm. they were we were too high on guys like Austin Hedges and Austin Barnes and you know guys who were sort of defense first catchers that didn't have much bat. Now we've really learned our lesson and we've adjusted our model, and these guys are still not hitting. Austin Hedges, poor guy, is still not hitting. Um, so you know, despite the defensive value, you know we don't see a whole lot there. Um, and I, I've seen that trend across a lot of catchers. There's just not much going on in that market. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that trend continue in the slightest. Yeah. With, uh, I think I've seen more outrage this season over the strike zone than I've seen in any other year that I can remember. Yeah. Um, are we headed towards an automated zone? Does that make pitch framing completely irrelevant? Who knows? Yeah, it could if be. If it does, it's, it's a death sentence for hedges. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so the glove first catchers are not are not – <laughs> There's not much value there. Yeah, at point. and that's real unfortunate for a guy like Omar Narvaez, where he's taken yeah. he's taken significant steps defensively and just forgot how to hit in the process. Mm, that was his day. That was his job, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. So a lot of fun updates. <clears throat> um, you know, um, we could be really surgical and get into like a week by week thing or a day by day thing. And, if we see something significant, whether it's an injury or what have you, we'll adjust. Uh, but but this was the big adjustment, and I think it's on point. Mm-hmm, definitely. I, I'll say, if you see anything that seems off at all, if someone on your favorite team 
you don't know why they're that low, you don't know why they're that high, please don't hesitate to contact us. I mean, as we Absolutely. mentioned, we're, we're just two guys, and we tried to get a couple thousand players updated, and it's 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 possible that things fall through the cracks, and we try our best to be as accurate as we can be. We're always going to make mistakes. So if you find something that seems a little off, we'll very gladly take a look at it and let you know <laughs> what we end up doing, whether we agree with you or whether we say eh, maybe not let's hold off absolutely and and we mentioned a few users that are you know that have pointed out those things and we're happily we're very open-minded we're happily to take happy to take a second look so we want to you know get as close as possible so you know we're not pride of you know certainly not pride of ownership about any particular number we're happy to take your feedback on it so i echo that as well mm -hmm. definitely and so we're we're planning on coming back with another episode after the deadline correct yeah, we'll recap uh, the shenanigans. Awesome. So keep an eye out for that, everyone. Uh, I think that'll do it for this week. Thank you all so much for listening. If you do have, as I mentioned, any comments or questions, any any update disputes, uh, feel free to shoot us an email at baseballtradevalues at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at baseballvalues. Uh, so we'll be back to recap the trade deadline. And until then, have a great week. Thanks, John. Thanks, Josh. Thank you.